Turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have an interesting subject, and that is about the body. There's two statements that are made, and um, it deals with the possibility of the resurrection that uh, many people don't believe possible, but it's not impossible. Did you realize that every time you plant something, there's death and resurrection? When you plant those seeds, something dies and there's a resurrection. And isn't it amazing that Jesus around the springtime was crucified like, you know, a, a plant that was put into the ground and dies and then there's fruit comes from it? Well, we get to see this every year. And it seems like, you know, the further north, of course, you go, you see all the trees turn their colors. And, buddy, it would be so beautiful up in the mountains of Colorado. Because 18 out of 20 years, I went elk hunting. When I go elk hunting, it doesn't mean I got an elk. It just means I went hunting. It means sometimes it just means I went for a walk. And uh, I'd be up there for a week to 10 days, sometimes two weeks. And I loved it. I'd get so far back in those woods. There was no cell phones back then. And... Uh, Betty wouldn't know half the time where I was. She'd just know in general area, you know. I'm in southwest part of Colorado. <laughs> or I'm over there somewhere near, you know, Grand Junction someplace. So I was in that area, you know. But I'd get out there and I'd walk, and it's just so wonderful. You see so much. You get higher up, and there's nobody else. And just to walk and sing. My son used to go with me. He said, Dad, you're not going to get nothing. You sing so loud. And you know, you can hear me a mile away, two miles away, so I'm, I'm warning everybody, here I come. So anyway, but it was just a, a precious time to, but you see the colors, and you see your leaves, you know, turn and then they fall. They die. And sometimes you could look at something and say, that, that, that tree is dead. And lo and behold, in the springtime, here comes more leaves on it, just like a resurrection. New life. But makes a statement here in verse 35. But some man will say, some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? We have people that ask us all the time. You open up for questions and answers and somebody wants to know, well, we recognize each other when we get to heaven. What am I going to look like? Well, you probably look worse than you do now. No. Whatever it is, you're going to look better. And that ought to be an encouragement to everybody. But he does ask the question. So before we get into that, I want you to take your Bible and just hold it right here. But look there in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John and chapter 3. And notice there in verse 2. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there's talking about appearing and what we're going to be. And it seems like whatever it is, we're going to see him because he's going to appear. And how he is, is how we're going to be. So if we could find out a little bit about how he is, what kind of a body does he have? We'll know what kind of a body we're going to have. But just kind of remember this. Jesus was able to walk along beside of them. And they didn't know who he was. 
and he revealed himself to him. But he was able to appear and disappear at will. Wouldn't you like to do that? And the Bible says they were in the upper room and they were able to, Jesus appears to them and all the doors are locked. So he's able to go through solid walls. I wouldn't mind that. Just pew, right through that wall. How long do you think it would take to get to the closest star? Even if you could travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second. You know, that's moving on. But think of how many light years they talk about how far stars are. And then millions of light years. How far can light travel in a year? if it's going 186,000 miles a second. And they think that Jesus Christ went to his father and came back. Now, did he have a long journey? Did he put him in animation so that he could just sleep while he was back there? Or just, he's there, back. He says, don't touch me, and I have not yet ascended to my father. Next time you see him, he's already been there and back. That's moving on. That's fast. To be able to appear and disappear. And yet he was able to eat food. I like that part. He made fish sandwiches for everybody on the shore. Talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Or when we get to heaven, we're going we're gonna to feast. Man, I can't wait. To eat all you want and not get full. Man, I, 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 just, I just can't wait. I have a few items that I, I hope that he has when we get there. Because down here, these things are fattening. But there, you know, you can just maybe eat and don't have to worry about it. But I, I got a lot of things I'm looking forward to. But he says, you shall see him as he is. And we're going to be like the Lord. But keep it in mind. Even though there's a maybe six billion people on planet Earth. If you lined them all up and everybody came through. And you could look at every person that came through the line. There's probably not another one exactly like you. Now you're different. You're unique. But you think, how could you make so many people different from each other, and yet we're all the same? All you have to work with is an area about this big. Forget the rest of the body. Just this much of your face. On that face, you've got two eyes, a nose, a mouth. You've got two ears. And yet you've got to make each one of them different for six billion people. Now, buddy, that's pretty good. As I look out among you here, every one of you are different. And yet, this is all that I really identify you with. Now, most of you, you can tell by the way you walk who you are. And there's some people, I can tell James by the way he walks. He walks like he's plowing corn. Got one foot over there on that side of the corns. And then another one on this side here. But everybody's got a different gate to them, the way you talk, your voice is recognizable, but to think how different you are, and yet we're all of the human species, and how different we can be. Now, when Christ says that we're going to be like him, does that mean we're all clones and everybody looks exactly the same? No, I don't think so. Because when they saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration, they recognized, that's, that's Moses and Elijah. They're different. But they both got glorified bodies, and they were like the Lord. And it says that the, the brilliance of the whiteness, uh, brighter than the noonday sun, because of the pureness, the holiness. Just think, it, there's no darkness there. Everything is perfect. 
We're going to have a body like that. Uh, take your Bible, look there in the book of uh, Philippians. The book of Philippians. And you'll notice in chapter 3. The book of Philippians in chapter 3. And look in verse 20. He says, For our behavior, our citizenship here, because you're talking about citizenship, is in heaven. I mean, that's, we're citizens of another country. He says, now, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change, get this, change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So the body that we have is vile. The body we're going to get is going to be precious. It's going to be just like his glorious body. He has a glorified body. A body that is perfect. Glory, perfect. And you and I are going to have a body that's perfect to go with our new birth. So right now we have to go through this changing of the body we have. The body we have right now is constantly changing. Have you ever looked at some of your pictures of 20 and 30 years ago? And then you look at the way you are now and say, why? <laughs> and you remember how you could run fast, you could do this, and you could remember better, and you look better, and all that. And now years are taking its toll on us. We're moving on up. We're getting older. But look what the last part of that verse says. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He can make anything happen that he wants to. And he's told us that there's going to be a resurrection. Well, the question is, how is that possible? How is it possible? I mean, that had to take a miracle. Because our bodies came from the dust, and it goes back to the dust. If I was a missionary in Africa, and I went to be a missionary to the cannibals, and they got hungry, and they boiled me in the pot, and then they ate me up. And about 200 of them feasted on me. Okay, so my body became part of their body. Or if you died at sea and a shark eats you up, okay, maybe three or four or five sharks ate on you. And maybe the little bitty fish, well, maybe you fell into the river down in the Amazon and these piranhas got a hold of you and maybe there was a hundred of them. So your body is, is part of the body of those fish now or those cannibals that ate you up. How are you going to get the body back? Or you burned in a fire. Boy, there's all kinds of things that can happen. So people have questions. I mean, they feed you to the lions, and the lions ate your body. They even gnawed on the bones until they were all gone. So now, how is he going to get the body back? So he begins to answer some of these questions because you and I have an inquiring mind, and we want to know. And so he said, and with what body do they come? In other words, even though you're going to get this, and if he can do it, what kind of a body are you going to get? So what's the possibilities of him doing something like that? Well, wait a minute. Didn't Christ come back from the dead? Well, if Christ came back from the dead, and if you look over there in verse 12, he says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So now he's going to answer that question. And if you'll read over in Timothy, you'll find out where it says, and uh, they cause some to lose hope or to lose faith. 
telling people that the resurrection is already gone, there's no such thing as a resurrection, and overthrow the faith of some. And so there's people who teach things that are wrong. There is going to be a literal body resurrection. And he doesn't need my body to do it because he says the body is dead. But he's going to bring another one back from it. I don't think the Lord has any problem trying to find anybody's DNA and remake another body. But the body he's going to make can't be the same one. If I was to die today and the Lord gave me another body from this body, exactly from this body, then I am going to be like this body, and this body could have problems with it. And it may have to die again. God's going to take and give me a body that cannot die. And this is what he says. Here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, I want you to kind of skip over there to verse 51, because it'll show you something that has to take place. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, whether you're dead or alive, if you've already died in the Lord, your body's going to be changed. And if you are alive when the Lord comes back, your body is going to be changed. The body itself was corruptible, so it's dead. It could go back to dust. It doesn't make any difference where it is. In this world, a body died, and it has to die before there is a resurrection. Christ had to die before you can have him resurrected. Therefore, we are all dead in sin so that by faith in Christ we can be made alive, quickened to be made alive, resurrected, new life. And so he says here in verse 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, a trumpet shall sound, and the dead bodies in the graves, or wherever they are, shall be raised incorruptible. Now that word incorruptible lets you know this body is different from the other body, because the other body was corruptible. This body will be incorruptible. And then when he says, and we shall be changed, that's the mortal person. See, look at me. All of us in this room are mortal. That means we're subject to die. The Bible says only God is immortal. He's not subject. He don't have to die. He can't die. You and I are subject to die. We're mortal individuals. We can be killed. And because we can die, God says that when he comes, he's going to cause us to be made immortal. We're going to put on immortality. See what he says in verse 53? But... For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And that's why he says, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Because there's some people living that will not see death, and you'll be able to, nah, 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 didn't get me. I would love for the rapture to take place and I get to go up into heaven and I can say, didn't get me, didn't get me, didn't get me. Death didn't get me. I would like for that to be my generation. And if you want to be part of it, it'd be fine with me. Now, go back there to chapter 15 and look there in verse 36. He says, thou fool. It's really, it's just a, a term not to mock or make fun of. 
but the unthinking one. In other words, you're not thinking. You don't have your thinking cap on. You're not considering what's being said. He says, that which thou soweth is not quickened or made alive, except it die. So the body is going to die, and then there's going to be another one. And he tells us what this new body is going to be like. So just to kind of skip ahead just a tad, and then we'll come back to the other part here. I want you to see this. Look there in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. So we're talking about the body is going to be resurrected. God is going to get another body from the body that was buried or dead, died, and then we get another one from it. So I don't care where he gets it. I don't care how he does it. Only that he's going to do it. So he says this. It is sown in corruption. That's the first body. That's your physical body. It is raised incorruptible. So the body you're going to get is going to be an incorruptible body. It has no sinful nature, cannot sin, cannot die. Not subject to death. Look in verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. In other words, because it's caused by sin. Sin is never honorable. Sin is always dishonorable. So when we die, it's because of sin. Of people who tell you that they don't sin anymore, they don't sin. Well, I've had a bunch of people tell me, I haven't sinned in 40 years. Well, if they don't sin, they ought not die. But they all die, don't they? They all die. Why? Because they still sin. He says, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. The body you're going to get is going to be a perfect body. It is not subject to being corruptible. Get what else he said. It is sown in weakness. That's why we, we get sick, because our body gets weak. Our immune system breaks down. The body gets old. He said, well, he just died of old age. The Bible talks about some of the saints that being full of age, full of age, they died. You're going to die of something. If God, Christ doesn't come back in our lifetime, we are going to die. Me and Al are going to die. Maybe him first. You're already 80 years old. Okay. It is sown, get this, it is raised in power. So that means you're going to have a body, incorruptible. It's going to be a glorified body. It's going to have power to it that the body we have now does not have. What all that power means, I don't know, but we will have the power that Christ has in his body. And what he can do, and I, I got visions of stuff. I, I imagine. My mind can run wild, boy. Get verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Body. Not spirit body, but a spiritual body. The body that I'm going to have is fully communicated between the spirit of man and God. And see, our, our body we have right now, I believe, is because our soul. Our soul is what gives demands and so forth and directions for the body. We're going to have a, a, a body that is capable of living as long as the soul as long as the spirit of man, which can never end, so we're going to get a body that will also, right now, see, you and I, we have a soul and the spirit living inside of a body. 
They are forever, but the body is not. We're going to get the third part of man. And remember, whenever you trusted Christ as Savior, he saved your soul, washed it white as snow, but he never touched the body. And you're living in a body, a jail, that's corruptible, going downhill. And we try to do more and more for the Lord, and the body doesn't want to cooperate all the time. But now we're going to get a new body, and this new body is going to have power to it. It's the one I wished I already had. I wouldn't mind living down here if I just had this, this body, this glorified body. Well, that would be neat. I could fly over that India. Somebody wants to kill you, invincible. Man, it would be neat. But he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, see, we have a body of the earth. This is why he uses this term here. So look what he says here in verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, a quickening spirit. So it gives you life. The one you die and the other one you don't. God sees the whole earth in two families, from two heads. The first Adam, the last Adam. Because everybody comes from those two. Everybody born into this world because of the first Adam. Physical birth. The second Adam, Christ, when you trust him as your savior, you are in his family. So he says this. In the, verse 46, how be it that which was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. For what came first? The first birth. Adam of the flesh. And then second, the spiritual, the next body. And so whenever you were born into this world, that was first, your flesh birth. And then your new birth. It's always like this. And then when you study the Old Testament, you'll find out it was, you know, Abraham had Ishmael. And he was type of the flesh. Isaac, type of the spirit. And then you get down to Saul and David. Saul was a type of the flesh, and David, type of the, the spirit. And that's parallel always down through the Old Testament. It will follow true. But then what else he says here? In verse 47, the first man of the earth. The second man, the Lord from heaven. He says, so as you were born into this world from the first man, Adam, you bear the image of the first man. So you look like a man, you look human. I know some people that don't quite look human. But you are and bear the image of the earth. And so we have a body that is conditioned to live in this environment. This earth that we're on, this globe, this spinning ball going through time, through space. Listen, we are like on a spaceship, and these bodies are spacesuits for us to live on planet Earth. And if your spacesuit, you know, develops some problems, you can't stay here. You have to move out. But while you're here, that's why you want to take good care of this spacesuit, because, you know, it's temporary. 
And you just want it to last as long as possible. And have you noticed that the older we get, it takes a lot of repair work, a lot of maintenance. When I was younger, I didn't worry about any maintenance whatsoever. Until I hit about 60, and then it seemed like everything came crashing down. And since then, I have had just a little bit of everything happen. And you might wind up the same way. You may hit it earlier. You may not hit it till later. But sooner or later, something's going to happen to the body, and you're going to die if Christ doesn't come back. Now, get what he says here in verse 48. As is the earthy, so uh, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that also are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earth, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So this body bears the image of the unearthly body. So the body that we're going to get must bear the image of the one that we came from, which was Christ. So our new body will be like his body. And so this is why he says now, there's a flesh of man, there's the flesh of animals, there's the flesh of fish, there's the flesh of fowls, and they can tell the difference in the flesh. But all humans are same kind of flesh. The birds, the animals, there's a different kind of flesh than the fish. Now, the fish swimming along under the water, and he's breathing oxygen, but he's getting it from the water, and swallowing the water, and then it's going out there, and he's trapping the, the oxygen in his gill, and he lives that way. You know what, you know what that fish said? Ain't no way anybody can ever live without being in this water so that he can breathe this air. Now, he's conditioned to live in the water. So he thinks that's the way everybody has to have it. Now, the bird, God has made the bird where he can fly in the air. Wouldn't you like to be like the birds? You just fly. But anyway, you're going to have a body that's going to be unique. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. But he now goes into, and he says, God has given it a body that pleases him. He says, now, whenever you plant corn, you should expect corn to come up. And if you plant wheat or oats and barley, then that's what should come up. Now, when you plant a human body, then you should get another body back from it. But he says, this is going to be different. See, look what he says here. In verse 37, he said, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body. Not that body. That shall be. The body you sow is not the one you're going to get back. You're going to get something better. 